Worldwide parent coach and conscious educator, Sue DeCaro, is on a mission to revitalize the joy in parenting. Welcome to Conscious Parents, Thriving Kids, a podcast designed to help parents all over the world create deeper connections with themselves and their children while overcoming life's daily parenting challenges. Listen in if you want to bring more laughter, love, and enjoyment to your home life. Welcome to Conscious Parents Thriving Kids, a place for all things parenting. I am your host, Sue DeCaro. Today, I'm pleased to introduce my special guest, Jessica Mori. Jessica is the Executive Director of Inward Bound Mindfulness Education, a nonprofit organization that offers mindfulness meditation retreats for teens, young adults, parents, and professionals. She began practicing meditation at age 14 on teen retreats offered by the Insight Meditation Society. She is a founding board member and lead teacher for IBME Teen Retreats. She has taught over 40 mindfulness meditation retreats for teenagers, working with over a thousand teens over the past nine years. In addition to leading high school presentations, ongoing and online classes for teens, and trainings for teachers and parents across the country. Jessica has been published in many different places and regularly invited to speak and conduct workshops at the leading mindfulness conferences across the U.S. Wow, Jessica, welcome. It is a delight to have you on this episode. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here. So let's dive right in and talk about the importance of living a mindful life. Can you talk about some of the benefits from research and your work that you have seen and why this is so important for kids and adults? Yeah, for sure. So the research is expanding all the time. Um, So there's a lot of evidence um, on multiple fronts about the benefits of mindfulness that range from improved sleep, increased immune function, to improved life satisfaction, um, improved relationships. So there's a lot of, then there's changes in the brain that have been studied and documented. But when I think about my own personal life, the benefit of mindfulness is deepening my ability to to return to the present moment, to presence, which means that I'm less caught in ruminating and worrying and uh, planning for the future or the past. And it also means that I'm present for my relationships in a way that's more deeply satisfying Um, and just the world. You know, when you're present, you get to actually notice life happening and all its beauty and wonder and, and its challenges. So a deeper sense of connection has come out of my practice. I love that. And I love how you have shared your personal awareness and what you have seen in your own life. And I, I think it is so important to be able to recognize when we are present, because of course we are human beings too. And so we do get caught up in being in the past or being in the future and trying to find the space or the recognition on how to get back, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And then nowadays, with our perpetual connectivity and our cell phones, uh, you know, it's not even just, you used to be like you just got caught up in the past or present or future in your own mind. But now we have these external devices that encourage us to disconnect in any given moment from what's happening here and now. So it just feels even more vital that we are developing practices and skills and habits to counteract that. I couldn't agree more. 
So I talk a lot in my work about creating conditions that help our kids to thrive. And we know that so many kids today have difficulty with attention, concentration, emotional and social intelligence, compassion, empathy, kindness. I mean, I could go on and on. Let's talk about how important it is for the young people to gain these skills, to fill their own toolbox, so to speak. Can you share your thoughts on this and how in your work dealing with so many teens over the past nine years, how you have seen that really come alive? Yeah, I mean, this, this is, and so when I talk about it being vital to develop these skills of mindfulness and compassion today for adults, it's even more so for, for young people, given that they are digital natives and completely bombarded and embedded within social media and um, technology. So what's coming to mind for me to talk about in that front right now is like what a main piece is what I see a lot of with social media and what we keep hearing about nowadays is um, the correlation between the rise of social media and depression and anxiety among young people. And, you know, so much of that coming out of comparison culture. Um, and so, you know, we've all, just as humans, comparing minds happened before social media. Um, self-judgment, not feeling like we're good enough was happening before, but it seems like these technologies are just exacerbating those habits of mind so that, I mean, I just see consistently amongst young people that sense of like not being good enough, of comparing themselves to other people. So one of the things that I feel most delighted or satisfied when I teach young people is when they connect into a sense of their own goodness and individual worth in their uniqueness and their common humanity. So when teens say things like, oh, I felt like I belonged for the first time, or I felt like I could be safe in my own mind, or I felt like I could love myself truly, that's the kind of thing that is most meaningful to me as a teacher. Wow. I I have chills. Talk about how you see that transformation, if you don't mind sharing, because that is really powerful. So when you're working with a room full of teens or maybe just a few, how do you see that that transition happening when they're able to connect to their own goodness and their individual worth? Because we know so many adults are living life and may live out their lives not connecting to their individual worth. And to see that in a young person, wow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's so powerful. Um, yeah, I mean, so our retreats are a week long, uh, and it's really a journey. It feels like a full journey, um, that there might be some resistance or challenge in the beginning. And, um, and so what we're teaching is both attention skills. So focus and sustaining attention through mindfulness meditation. So there's that piece, but we're also teaching specific compassion and loving kindness meditations as well. So the youth are getting both of those things that, and at the same time, mindfulness to me is not, it's not just about attention and and concentration. It's also about the quality of mind that we bring to a moment. And that quality of mind is like, is deeply accepting and just receiving and um, the quality of attention of just being willing to put all of your attention on something as like basic and apparently boring as a breath. There's just a like intrinsic learning that when we develop the ability to do that, and then we see that that's meaningful 
and we get curious and connected with something that's like so mundane, there's something that comes out of that that can be like, oh, maybe there's something worthwhile in everything that's mundane, including me, including my thoughts, including my emotions. Like they're worthy of attention and acceptance. So there's a way that, that even just doing the mindfulness teaches that, that skill, right? Or that quality of mind. Um, so we just, we, I see a journey. And then the other major piece of our retreats is there's two hours a day of small group work where the teens are in the same small group. They're facilitated. We call that our relational mindfulness practices. And in those, those groups, they basically get the experience of deeply attending to their peers, like listening deeply and speaking from the heart and being attended to with kindness and curiosity and a deep acceptance in that space when they're being vulnerable. So I think that piece also of like being able to deepen trust, share their stories, be more and more vulnerable and having that be accepted with kindness, that's part of the process of them being like, oh, there's something that I have to share that's worthwhile, that's unique, but also common that people want to hear, that people can accept. Um, so, so it's really that, and we, that's where I see it, kids expressing this a lot is when they're in those small groups of um, the power of that attention from their peers. And then, then they will say it at the end, we have a closing circle where they can share their experiences. And, you know, so yeah, many times, a lot of tears, a lot of expression of, um, the transformation they've had. And then we get the feedback from their parents post-retreat um, that often points to the sense of them having felt a sense of belonging and their own worth. worth. Wow, it's like sending a different child back. Yeah, yeah, and we've had parents say that. I mean, one of my favorite ones is uh, a parent saying, you know, my, my son came home and took out the trash and did the dishes without me even asking. <laughs> Wow. What, what did you do? <laughs> the littlest things. Yeah. So once they go home, I'm, I'm curious because this, this process of this, you know, week retreat is incredible and mm -hmm. so powerful as you describe it and describe the changes that these young people are experiencing as, you know, you really teach and guide them through the many different uh, facets of your work. And so I'm curious how this translates down the road for them. What, what is the, you know, I'm going to say, quote unquote, maintenance practice that they need to stay with in order to continue living in this way and, and translate it to a bigger picture, you know, not yeah. a contained environment? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think this is a really important question. And um, I maybe two responses. So one is that, which is amazing, when, like when I went on teen meditation retreats, there wasn't the internet. Um, there weren't cell phones. So it was much harder for us both to continue practice. There weren't any tools to continue to meditate at home other than like remembering what we were taught and, and doing it on our own. Um, and we couldn't even really keep, it was hard to keep in touch. Like you just pick up the phone to call someone. Um, so what the teens have now is, you know, we have, we have social media groups where they can connect. Um, and then also, we have a regular meetings that are online, just dropping um, free drop-in groups for them to connect with their peers. And we got a meditation, one of our teachers, and then have a discussion. And then we also, they also get an app, um, actually two apps that they can practice with at home. So, so that's how we do that. But of course, you know, all of that takes like personal 
decision-making to actually engage those systems. Um, so what is very hopeful to me is we've done research. We did a, a longitudinal study that was a pre post and then three months post retreat study, or we didn't do it, it was by um, a researcher at the university of Pittsburgh. And what he saw was tremendous gains right after the retreat in terms of lowering depression, lowering anxiety, deepening self-compassion, a lot of these life satisfaction skills. But what was amazing to me was to see that even three months post, many of those continued to improve. Um, and, and it definitely like the more that they were meditating, the more they improved. But even the ones who weren't meditating continued to see benefits three months post. So, so to me, that shows me that there's, there's some shifts that happen in an immersive experience where it's just like a shift of like paradigm or something where you touch into like, oh my God, I might be lovable completely that can stay with you even if you don't meditate and keep doing self-compassion practice. So that feels really hopeful to me. And I really want teens to, I want to support youth to keep developing these school skills. I mean, it is like exercise, you know, the more you do it, the better you feel and the stronger you get. Wow. What, what an incredible experience for just one week, you know, immersive, mm -hmm. but one week to be able to receive those benefits and really see them, you know, growing in, in some instances, as you said, three months down the road. And I, I can't help but ask, mm -hmm. This is such important work that you are doing and so important for our young people. How can this translate to the, the bigger picture of youth mm -hmm. all over the, I mean, I'm going to say all over the world since my yeah. practice is worldwide and the audience we have listening does come from all over the world. How can we make this more available, this type of program? Or you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Worldwide. Come on, Jessica. Mm -hmm. I know. Great. <laughs> Um, I mean, well, what is, what is hopeful is we have, we do have one retreat in the UK, which is really, I, I would call, I don't exactly know how to franchise how that works, but I would say it's kind of like that. It's sort of like a technology transfer where we train some UK folks who really want to do this and they're off and running, um, leading retreats in the UK. Uh, and then we had one in the, one in Canada as well. Um, so there is a scalability with training. Um, and people, as long as the people who are doing it have their own deep personal meditation practice so that anything that's being led or taught is really coming out of an embodied experience of mindfulness sure. and compassion. Sure. So, so that's scalable. It is financially challenging because we have a real commitment to accessibility. So we have a radical sliding scale and we've never turned a teen away for lack of funds. So that part can be challenging. It really is the financial piece of trying to make that work when you have to rent a retreat center. So if anyone out there has ideas about that, we always welcome it. Um, so there's that piece. But then I also think what can might be even more promising for the general adolescent and youth population is some of the in-school programs. So um, my husband, I actually live at a boarding school, a high school, and my husband is the director of mindfulness at the high school. So every new student takes a semester of mindfulness training with him. Um, plus the faculty, parents, uh, staff also can take practice, uh, mindfulness training with him. And so that, that model of having um, a, someone who's deeply embedded in mindfulness, embodying mindfulness in a school 
uh, teaching. So that way, like, you know, not all the kids. So then he has voluntary classes, level twos and level threes, and he works with the sports teams. And so they have choice after that. And not, not you know, maybe it's 25% that take the level two. But everyone has an experience of this that they take with them. And it's unbelievable to hear. He's now been doing that for nine years, maybe 10. And to start hearing the stories coming back from his former students about the impact. Um, so to me, those kinds of school programs, programs are the way to really scale this. And, and then it's like, I don't think every teenager needs deep mindfulness practice right now in their life. But when things get challenging, they will have known something they might want to re refer back to and su to support them. Mm -hmm, for sure. Mm -hmm. And we know that things can get challenging. Mm -hmm. I, I have a college student. It's it's very challenging <laughs> and very stressful. High school can be stressful. College can be stressful and life can be stressful. Mm -hmm. So it's a it's a beautiful gift to be able to offer so many that you both you and your husband and you know your organization um, spreading these various ways to live our lives in a different mm -hmm. with a different perspective mm -hmm. and a different focus. Mm -hmm. So if you had to offer our listeners, you know, one piece of advice or one takeaway, they're all adults mm -hmm. that they can, you know, move forward with yeah. from a consciousness standpoint, what would that one piece of advice be? Yeah. And just, it would, or you're primarily parents, primarily parents. Yeah. Yeah. And so mine would be really, if this interests you, if you want your child to have access to these kinds of practices and skills or be interested in them. Like I always encourage parents to really try it yourself. Take on, you know, look into apps or really great apps these days with like 10% happier is a great app or Headspace. Um, try it. Maybe look for a meditation group in your community. We do parent retreats. You can come on a parent retreat um, so that you get that experience. And then instead of, you know, pushing your child, let your child be curious about what's happening for you and see the change happening in you so that you create a more mindful environment in the home, a more mindful relationship with your child and let that start to pique their curiosity about practicing. I love that. You're speaking my language. First of all, parents are the model. <laughs> We're yeah. modeling every day how to live life. So if we aren't modeling in a, in a mindful way, it's very difficult, I think, to expect mm -hmm. our children to do something different. And I think the same as when, when children are in your programs, if they go home to a less than mindful environment, it can be very difficult as well. Mm -hmm. So we, we parents are the models and it is important for us to practice things and share things, not from a, you need to do this too, but just, you know, as you said, sparking or peaking curiosity in our children. And so curiosity is one of my favorite words. Mm -hmm. When they become curious and interested and start asking questions, then it's an opportunity to share as opposed to make them or force them or, you know, mm -hmm. manipulate in any way. Yeah. So beautiful. Mm -hmm. I love that. Mm -hmm. So and that was just as it, that was what the case for me. My mom used to go on meditation retreats and I definitely would see this amazing transformation post retreat that, that got me curious. Like, what were you doing? What's happening? Like, there was a real difference in her energy and connection and, uh, when she'd come home. Wow, that's beautiful. Very conscious mom you have. Mm -hmm. 
Awesome. Well, would you share with our listeners, because I'm sure we've sparked curiosity as well, <laughs> how can they find out more about your programs and the amazing organization? Yeah, so we have our website is ibme.com. Um, so if you go to the website, all the information is there. Um, we have an FAQ for parents and then a separate one for teens and some videos for teens um, to see, to kind of get them a little bit more curious. Uh, yeah, so that's probably the best way. And we also are on social media sharing. We have a parent forum on social media where we share um, resources and, and ideas. So Facebook uh, and the internet and our, our website are probably the best ways to learn more. Awesome. Awesome. Mm -hmm. So do you have any parting wisdom or thoughts that you want to share before we wrap up? Not that you haven't shared amazing yeah. ideas and wisdom and, and thoughts about this very, very important topic. Mm -hmm. You know, it comes to heart for me, you know, even as we talk about, you know, doing your own practice and being, being a model, it's just like as much tenderness and kindness you can offer yourself in all of your successes and foibles as a parent. Uh, that as much as possible, just like a lot of tenderness and forgiveness and um, is only going to result in good things for you and your children. So uh, it just seems like today there's like a sometimes a culture of like perfect parenting and I don't think that actually serves us. So I hope that all of your listeners can really connect into their own goodness and, and forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. And self-compassion is one of the things that we are not taught anywhere. Mm -hmm. And it's one of the most important things in life is to be compassionate with oneself. And you're absolutely right. We strive for perfection. There is no perfection. Mm -hmm. We're just authentic human beings showing up each and every day with the best possible way, light, shining our light that we can. Yeah. Yeah. So, and thank you. thank you for trying to be conscious parents, I actually think that's like probably the most important work in the world. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks for being here, Jessica. I appreciate it. And thank you to all our listeners. We appreciate you joining us. Remember, every moment is a new moment for Conscious Connections. Thanks for listening to Conscious Parents, Thriving Kids. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give us is to share this podcast with a friend. And be sure to give us some stars and a favorable review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen in.
Thanks for listening to Conscious Parents, Thriving Kids. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give us is to share this podcast with a friend. And be sure to give us some stars and a favorable review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen in.